Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Seychelle Van Poole. I'm Sarah Reynolds. And I'm Wendy Papazan. Welcome back, guys. We are on episode four of our money series. Woo! So exciting. Number number four. And if you haven't listened to episodes one through three, I highly, highly recommend you go back. Episode number one, we talk about how to figure out your financial freedom number. Then we get into some wealth building habits in episodes number two and three. And the next three episodes we're going to talk about are sort of more of the kinds of investments that you can make uh, and how they work. So a real sort of uh, just tactical episode. And then we're going to share a lot about some of the investing that we've done. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and before I forget, I just wanted to remind everyone if these, uh, episodes are resonating with you and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I would like to learn more. I would like to grow my, my financial mm-hmm. wealth and I'd like to learn more about it. Uh, feel free to pop over to herbestlife.com slash masterclasses. Uh, we have a special discount code for Empire Building Podcast for our Her Rich Life class. And you guys, it's different than the podcast, okay? The, the, the podcast is just us spitballing about stuff and talking about our journey. And the masterclass is extremely tactical and it's mm-hmm. got a workbook and um, homework, it has questions. And- it's thought provoking. Yeah. You, you can't do the masterclass while you're driving around in your car or running around mm-hmm. the lake. So our code is EBP, which is Empire Building Podcast. And um, we're just so excited to jump in. Yeah. So if, if you want to become a master of building your wealth, um, I, we highly, highly recommend uh, her rich life masterclass. So um, now the big thing um, and really the foundational sort of principle of what we're going to talk about today is investing versus saving, right? So mm. there's a difference between investing um, versus just saving, becoming a hoarder of cash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Keller, uh, one of our mentors, uh, says you can't save your way to financial success. There's actually no way that you can just save, save, save um, to financial success. And so today we're going to be really diving into investment strategies um, and how they work and how uh, we have built a lot of our wealth. I love that. Well, and, you know, I think about it when you're investing, there, there's usually like one thing that kind of gets the ball rolling. I'd be curious, Sarah, like, do you remember what your first investment was? Yeah, it was actually my, my first house. Um, Mm. and I had just gotten my real estate license. So this was in pre, like you had actually show that show that you were worthy of a mortgage. Then you did not. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, I had just graduated uh, from college, uh, got mm. my real estate license and had it about a year. Did okay. Did okay. My first, my first year. Um, not, I did more than okay. I did yeah. great. My so first you year. Did, yeah. You did really well. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't, but I didn't have like any foundational of like a, right. a, show a, a record of doing well. Right. And I bought a $500,000 townhome, which is just insane to think wow. about as my, yeah. as my first house. Um, but the townhouse had a basement with a uh-huh. actual bedroom and bathroom, and then it had three bedrooms on the upper level. Mm. And so I rented it out. So I lived in the master bedroom um, or the owner's bedroom, 
and um, rented out the other two bedrooms upstairs and rented out the basement. And so with my mortgage payment and rent, um, they basically paid all of my mortgage um, except for the HOA dues. Um, and we did that. So I bought that in 2007. Okay. Uh, we did that. We continued to rent out our basement even after George and I were married. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was our first investment was that house um, and rented it out probably until about uh, 2010. Um, wow. And then we kept it. It's been a great yeah. investment for us. But that was our first one. What about you, Stan? That's so cool. You know, the first time I really learned about investing was um, when I turned 17, my dad uh, took me up to Fidelity and set up a Roth IRA with me. And I had been working um, and like doing like I was a cheerleading and gymnastics coach and like did babysitting, you know, and different things during high school. And so he was like, okay, you've been saving this money. We're going to go invest it. And whatever you invest, he he was like, I'll match. So Ooh. anything you invest, I'll match it. And then he kind of helped me learn the compounding interest game of, um, you know, like if you put $3,000 in today in 30 years, it will be worth 50000 You know, and when you're like 17, you're like, whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so that was the first time. And then we invested in real estate later. We can talk about that when we get into real estate investing. But that was the first time like I had really learned about the stock market or heard about just what money could do without just saving it. Cause I just had like a, I'm sure just like a pile of cash or something in my bedroom, which is not like the best way to do that. So how about you, Wendy? What was your first? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was like all cheerleading private, you know, lessons or whatever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 Back, back when you got cash for all that stuff. Yeah. It was all just like parents handing you cash. Um, Wendy, what's, what was your like first investment you made or when did you kind of get introduced to investing? Well, I in um, I worked for a small company when I was living in New York, and we just didn't have a four hundred one k. I mean, we yeah. were like fifteen people, and so we just didn't have one. And I remember Jay after we got married, he told me that he'd been investing in his four hundred one k at Harper Collins. So mm-hmm. I was in Austin, so I was like probably twenty seven or I guess twenty eight mm-hmm. before I started mm-hmm. really really investing, and I worked for the. My second job here in Texas was I worked for the state of Texas. So they had a Texas retirement fund. Mm-hmm. And so I just did the money there. I got matched. And then when I left after four or five years of that, I had about $10,000. And I thought, well, I'll just roll it into Apple stock. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's probably kind of, it was, probably, it was kind mm-hmm. of stupid, probably when I think back on it. But in retrospect, of course, it was an amazing investment because- <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, that, that 10,000, this was in 2004. Wow. So that that $10,000 in 2004, I just looked at it this morning. It's now worth over $176,000. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I paid $11.96 a share for it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's been great. It's been great with the stock. It's been great yeah. with the stock market going up and down because Apple stock is very they stable. Uh huh. It's very stable. It's definitely split since then. And that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that that's was pretty amazing. random. I always talk about so, what a great like stock guru I am. But Jay's. So I still have my first investment, which was my house, my first house. Yeah. Say, do you still mm-hmm. have the Fidelity oh, yeah. account? No, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've rolled it over like just to blend it with all of our other stuff, but I still have that same 
Roth IRA, like it's invested in different things now, but yeah, it's the same, same IRA. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So like, what is your, what is the mix of your, like before we dive into, you know, investing more granularly, if you were to look at your portfolio, what does that blend look like for you right now? Um, well, we're, I could actually find that. Uh, so we're at, of course, mostly real estate, 42% Mm -hmm. real estate that doesn't include our house. Our house would probably add another 10% there, something like that, 10, 15%. And then your primary residence, just to make sure my primary residence. Yeah. Yeah. My, my primary residence. So, so 42% of our investments without my house in it are, rental properties. And then we've got 11% in the stock market. And that's just really, you know, Jay's been just putting, putting the max every year, uh, with his, you Mm -hmm. know, 401k, whatever Mm -hmm. for the life, for as long as he's been working. So it's been a long time now. And that's just, that's really added up. We have a little bit in some other income. Uh, we have 1% in hard money loans. We've been doing some hard money loans recently. We have uh, a bunch in businesses. So 17% is in businesses. Mm-hmm. 1% is in other businesses. It's more like angel investing. So maybe we've yeah. invested like $5,000 here, $10,000 here. Um, and then we have about 8% in cash. So Cool. Good. Similar, similar mix. Um, we have uh, 48% uh, without our primary residence is uh, real estate. So both mm-hmm. um, residential and commercial uh, real estate. And then we've got um, 35% is our, our businesses, mm-hmm. which I was actually surprised. I thought uh, our business, we were talking about this before we started recording. I thought my businesses would be number one, but real estate's still mm-hmm. winning, which I'm proud of. Uh, yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, but super proud of our businesses uh, being at 35% of our, of our investments. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. And then only 6% in the stock market. So we, we just start. George has always invested in his 401k because he's always been part of a company that has had that. Um, mm-hmm. we just started a 401k, um, a few years ago, three or four years ago, uh, for empower home. And we mm-hmm. have, um, and so I do that of course. Um, and then we also started investing, um, with a financial advisor, um, in the last year. So we have si- only, only 6% right now in the stock market and then 11% cash. So mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in making sure you got enough cash to have peace of mind. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And for everybody that number's different, which is really cool. Um and then we're sitting at we've got 66% in real estate. Um 2% is actually the cash value of our life insurance. So we look at that. Um we have I forgot about 12, that thing. Yeah. Um and it's cool though cuz the like life insurance actually overinsures then all of our real estate being paid off and then some. So like it's actually a hedge against the real estate side because we are heavier in Smart. real estate. Twelve um, percent businesses, eight percent stock, and then we're a little bit higher on cash right now because we're sitting on it ready to invest. So we're fourteen percent cash, getting ready to deploy some of that. So that's super fun. So you're buying the you're buying the drinks, obviously. So yeah, show. I know. <laughs> Ranch waters for all. 
<laughs> if you're coming to Texas. <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, so the first thing we're talking about today is in our investments, in our invest investment series is real estate. I mean, duh, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're all, we all mm -hmm. own real estate businesses and, you know, it's kind of strange because a lot of times you'll talk to financial advisors and they won't mention real estate at all. And so mm -hmm. I won't even work with anyone if they don't own rental properties because they just don't understand it, you know? So mm -hmm. having somebody who understands that is just really important. So I mean, I, th I, think I always think, yeah, go ahead. I always think about how cool it is from, uh, like when you want to invest a hundred thousand dollars in stock, you're writing, you're putting a hundred thousand dollars in the stock market, right? If you want to yeah. buy a hundred thousand dollar property, mm -hmm. it only takes 20 mm -hmm. to $25,000 to buy, uh, the hundred thousand dollar rental property. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no other investments that you can do like real estate um, in that way in terms of not using 100% of your money. Um, and so it's just so powerful, such a powerful thing. So if you do not own a home, um, we cannot stress enough, um, buy, a, buy a house, own a, own a home. Um, my first investment, like I said, was my, was my house and then I house hacked it. Uh, meaning I had renters living with me um, and paying uh, and paying the mortgage. And so your very first investment um, should be real estate. Um, you have to pay to live somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. Millionaires are made off of owning real estate. And so buy your first home, um, get renters in, rent out bedrooms. You can buy a duplex as well. Um, but what I did was just rented out the other two, two bedrooms upstairs and I rented out the basement. And that covered my mortgage uh, fully. Um, and so mm. first and foremost, buy, buy real estate. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Well, and, you know, if you're buying real estate, you know, for us, like, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, um, you know, our first home was an investment property. We returned all of our wedding gifts at the age of 22 and just bought real estate instead um, and still own that, right? And <laughs> I love that. I know, it's the best gift. That, I mean, we put... At that point, you could put, I think, 5% down because, you know, it was still 07, what was it, 06 when we bought it. Um, but you so we put, put in 5% down. You mm -hmm. can. Um, so we put, thir I think it was like 13,000 down. That's true. Such a baller 13,500. And um, I think our loan balance on that now is um, like 70,000 and it's worth 350 today. You know, so it's like you turn 13,000 into that. It's kind of fun. Um, I have a better story than that. All right, let's hear it. Fancy. <laughs> Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas in the house. I know. Your numbers are crazy with you guys. Yeah, yeah your, our, your first, first one. House, what did you buy your first one? 175. We put 3.5% down. So we spent about $6,200 for okay. it. And we lived in it for three years. We had complete strangers, been paying down the debt for 17 years. We owe about mm -hmm. yeah, 75000 yeah. on it. It's worth $950,000. You fancy. That's awesome. That's amazing. But like what else, what other investment can you do where someone's literally paying down your principal balance? I mean, that's just, it's, it's like, how, how is this possible? It's amazing. I tell my tenants, so, thank you for paying my mortgage. Thanks for paying yes. my debt off. I appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. We've had the same tenants it, in that property the whole time. <laughs> it's amazing. 
Well, I tell that to my tenants and they're like, oh, maybe we should buy a house. I'm like, yeah. I know. Sure. Yeah. Use me though. You're like, use me when you do that. Mm-hmm. So something, if you are, um, if you have a business or you have a rental property and you're considering um, short-term rentals is, um, and that could be like short-term rentals means like one night or one week, right? It's a shorter term. Um, make sure you're checking with your local laws and ordinances if you can do that, because there's a lot of areas now that are starting to limit that more. But something that even if you haven't turned a property into a short-term rental yet, but let's say you have a second home or your own house, you can do what's called the Augusta rule on the um, IRS code. And that is, again, not a certified CPA. I'm going to give you that disclosure really quick. Not a certified financial tax advisor or CPA. So check with your financial advisor and tax accountant. Um, So there's your CYA for us for the whole episode. Um, There is something (laughs) called the Augusta rule, which is you can rent out your home for 14 days um, and pay yourself like a a venue rental fee um, where you can rent it out for up to 14 days without reporting that income to the IRS. So your business can literally pay to rent out one of your properties. Um, Because if you were like we had our pie day not long ago, we rented a ballroom at a hotel. You could do that same thing at one of your houses and rent it mm-hmm. that way too. Which we do. Um, yeah, which is awesome. And you can do uh, that so you can, you can do, do that, that for a second days. home too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we do that also for our ranch. We pay our ranch yeah. as well. Yeah. Because so a big part of days. a big part of as you're building wealth is taxes are a major expense. Yeah. Right. And if you yeah. can invest um, your money correctly um, you can um, understand how to build uh, wealth through mm-hmm. the way that the government's wanting us to build wealth, which is helping helping our country. Um, and what they have different rules in place, like the Augusta rule, um, where you can take some of your income from your business and pay yourself for, of course, you have to do it, like but renting out your house or having an event at your home. Anytime you have an event at your home, you would invoice it just at whatever the equivalent uh, location would cost, uh, you can invoice it. And that's a way of um, reducing your taxable income and then also helping uh, turn your current home into uh, an investment. This is so important, Sarah, because I think for a long time, I know Jay and I just had this this thought like, oh, well, we're just supposed to pay our taxes. You know, we're just going to, we're going to, we're just going to pay our taxes. Yeah. And uh, we didn't really take, uh, and I, I'm not going to say take advantage, but I, we didn't really understand the tax rules that were in place in order for mm-hmm. us to to essentially to save money on our taxes. And, and, you know, when you have a very high income, that's just, you know, it's a lot of money. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars that you're yeah. paying in taxes mm-hmm. every year. And we just mm-hmm. thought for the longest time, we thought, well, that's just what we do. We we're just, we're going to be good citizens. Yeah. And, um, and we've really changed our thinking on that because it's exactly what you said, Sarah, which is the government is giving us, you know, ways to, ways to save money. They want us to do mm-hmm. certain things and they're yeah. going to reward us for them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, you said the the phrase, you know, we want to be good citizens. And what I, what I love about you two and what we do as well is there's a number of ways to define that and give back and be a good citizen in your community, whether it's creating jobs, it's creating stable housing, whether it's giving back to charity or teaching and leading others. Like there's all these different ways that I know that both of you are that. And so looking at how you define that, not 
just from a tax perspective, but also from how you show up in the world perspective, I think is something that you both do really beautifully. Um, while we're on the short-term rental side, a couple things to consider, um, we're actually running analysis on a couple of our properties on this right now is, you know, if you're doing the short-term rental, you need to decide if you want that to be a job for you, or if you want somebody else to manage that, because you are having to turn those properties over um, for guests more regularly. So having a manager may be an expense that you need to factor in there. Um, and yes, you may make more revenue, but you also have to take into consideration, you might have more expenses or more wear and tear on the property. So furniture, um, housekeeping, like additional yard maintenance, like all these other little things add up in there that you just need to factor in for it. And then also, you know, just depending on your market, if you are, um, you know, using one of your properties as an Airbnb or a short-term rental, um, the clientele, depending on your competition, could be quite picky. And so there are certain areas where, you know, there are professional, like, equity companies that run these almost like hotels and have, like, full-blown management, like, rhythms that they're running. And you may be kind of a mom and pop competing with a really large-scale organization that's mastered this. So just consider those things when you're evaluating it because it is a little bit more nuanced than um, sometimes people make it out to be. What are other ways you guys that. can do real estate? Well, you've got your short-term rentals, which to me is 30 days or less. And then you have something that I would call a medium-term rental, which mm -hmm. is uh, a, typically a furnished minimum of 30-day rentals. And this is kind of popping up, at least in Austin, because A, we have a lot of people moving here. So people are looking for basically short-term furnished corporate housing. And then in Austin, we do have a lot of restrictions around who, how many short-term Airbnbs there can be. And so this way you've got a, you know, you've got a short-ish term property, um, but it doesn't, it's not going to have the kind of turnover. You're not going to be cleaning it every, every week necessarily. So it might be somebody who's renting it for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, up to six months. And uh, we actually had one of these um, before the pandemic. We had one and then I, mm. I kind of chickened out um, and I turned it into a regular term rental. Plus I didn't want the hassle if I'm honest, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, we started it right before the pandemic and it was a lot, it was a lot of work. It was more work, I think, than I was, even though I wasn't necessarily, I had an assistant and everything that was helping me with it, but it was just, it was a lot more little stuff. And I'm sure if I had mm -hmm. stuck with it and I'd gotten kind of everything right, you know, the thing about a rental property is you kind of have to, it the first six months are the worst because yeah. you don't know the quirks of the property. You don't know what's going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and then mm -hmm. once you kind of get through that, it's definitely a lot easier. And then you've got long-term rentals, of course, which everybody is probably familiar with, which is you're usually renting for a year to two years at a time and turning it over at that, mm -hmm. at that point. So- I love that. Well, you know, and when you're evaluating what you want to do with your property, this is something we personally have been going through right now, which is you need to know what your goals are for your wealth building. Because there's, as we talked in our previous mm. three episodes, there's two different ways to play this game. One is the long-term equity pay down and appreciation where you're buying in, you know, markets that you believe are going to appreciate over time. And you're also buying rights. So you're buying with some equity at the beginning. Um, but you also have the cash flow game that you can play too. And so getting clear on what it is you're wanting, is going to dictate that. Like a lot of our rentals, like our first one we bought, right? We've had the same tenant for 17 years now. Well, the odds are if you've had the same rental, you know, tenant for that long, 
Like our rental rates of raising our rents over and over and over and over again are not going to be as high as some of the other ones in the neighborhood because we haven't had to re-carpet. We haven't had to repaint. We haven't had to, you know, like restage and repair everything because the same people have been in there for 17 years. So our cash flow is less on it because our appreciation game and the long-term equity play is the game. But now maybe that we're having a conversation of like, Seychelles and Nick really want to buy a property on a lake with a dock and they want to gain additional cash flow to be able to buy that without having to like make, you know, take on additional quote unquote jobs or additional income streams. They want to buy it with passive income. Well, then maybe our cash flow conversation changes versus just the appreciation equity game. So just wanted to throw that out there because we're personally playing that game right now a little bit and looking at how we want to do it. That's good thing. Um, the other thing that you can do with with real estate is, of course, uh, commercial. So we've been talking a lot about uh, residential, of course, your first mm-hmm. house, um, short-term rentals, medium-term rentals, long-term rentals, uh, making sure that you're understanding your your long-term goals uh, with that. But the other big, big piece and something that I've, I've been um, now investing in for the last, I guess, three years now mm-hmm. is uh, commercial commercial real estate. And The big thing that drove us towards that was we have businesses. So we have, um, I think total businesses that I own is I think 16 now. Um, and so they have space, they need space. Most of them, um, need space to operate. And so we thought it was best to, instead of paying rent to a landlord that owns the building, which is what we were doing for many years, um, for our DC Metro, uh, real estate team, why not own it ourselves and have the real estate business uh, paying rent to ourselves? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was that was a big um, driver for us. It just made sense, being that we love real estate. Anytime you pay rent when you love real estate is not a good feeling. Um, but then the secondary, which ended up being the bigger benefit for us, um, which I didn't understand it at mm-hmm. the time when we b- bought our first commercial building, was um, something called accelerated depreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do that when you are in the real estate industry, you can accelerate um, the depreciation on your real estate. And so um, we hired a company uh, that d- did a cost segregation study for us of our commercial building. And it ended up saving um, over 600000 in taxes um, like real money, uh, our That's first amazing. one. And then mm-hmm. we did all of our, uh, residential properties as well. Cause you can do it on residential as well. Um, and then every year we look to buy more buildings and we're, we're just putting them in places where our businesses are. So mm-hmm. if that's where our business is, that's where we're investing right now. Um, and so commercial is a great investment to make in real estate as well. That's so smart. Well, I guess you're buying the drinks. <clears throat> Change my life. <laughs> <laughs> we will make sure you but, have a drink, Wendy. Don't worry. But, but Sarah, I don't know. I'm I don't know. I'm fasting right now. Maybe that's why I'm thinking. Um, but Sarah, do you want to tell everybody? I love your story about yes. you finding your first commercial building. Like, will you share that with our yes. listeners? Yeah. So so commercial. So for for us that are in residential, we have our way of of selling real estate. Right. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, everything's in the MLS, not everything, but a lot is in the MLS. Um, it, it's, 
we communicate very well uh, <laughs> to our clients and to each other. Um, and that's sort of residential real estate. When we started wanting to buy a building, I started realizing the commercial side of real estate is a whole different ball game. Um, it is a um, old boys club, like a small, like lots of properties are not listed anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to really like work hard to find a property. So you can't just rely on it being on LoopNet um, mm -hmm. or even um, on CoStar. Uh, CoStar is the LoopNet is the public version of the of the MLS for commercial. CoStar is the actual MLS. Um, and so when I realized that, I was like, okay, so we've got to do some like find like searching. So I was driving mm -hmm. around almost every weekend looking for signs or buildings that look to be abandoned. And um, I found this sign that was so old, I could barely read the phone number, uh, <laughs> took a picture of it, called the agent, it had great uh, road frontage, which we wanted, because um, it was right close to our main farm area. We're very branded here, and we wanted to have a sign, sign up. And I had to call the agent, I don't know, three to four times over two weeks, Mm -hmm. finally got a call back. Um, and we found, we found the building I'm standing in right now. Um, and it was really from like, don't relying on, you can't rely on just what is out, what is available, mm -hmm. looks to be available. Um, and then the building that we've just bought next door to us, we just approached the owner and said, we want to buy it and let's figure it out. He's like, well, I have no interest in selling. I have no interest in selling. And I said, well, yeah. Well, everyone has an interest in selling. What's the number? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um, and we worked out a win-win there, but um, a that was never on the MLS. If someone was searching for a building, they would have no, they, they didn't know that that building could have been purchased. So commercial is, is very different talking. There's a lot of networking that goes on. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's, it's a slower process um, and communication a good residential business it could dominate commercial. Like I'm always like, we need more residential. I know, like it's thinking I know. to dominate that. It's so industry. true. It's I'm so like, true. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, the other thing that's interesting about buying commercial is that when you buy a residential property, you're kind of your finances and everything are kind of on the hook for that property when you go to get your loan, and mm -hmm. when you get a commercial loan, it's actually different because the commercial lender is looking at the value of the property really kind of as the collateral and do the numbers make sense? Like, is the rent going to cover, um, the, the monthly note? And so you're actually, you actually have less liability weirdly when you're buying a commercial property than you do, because first of all, you've got a lender who's reviewing all the financials. Like they're not going to mm -hmm. give yes. you a loan bef before they, right. before they do all that. And then the property itself becomes the collateral versus like, when you have a residential property, everything else you own is your collateral. So it's a lot less liability, which, which is, which is, it's, which is opposite of what you yeah. think it would be. Mm -hmm. that, that's so, that's so good, Wendy. I know we need to move on, but one more thing on that. I actually learned how to evaluate property by getting the loan for this building mm -hmm. because what the bank had us do and the questions they asked and the forms they had us fill out, I was like, Oh my, like they, it is, very good on how they evaluate whether or not it's a good purchase. Mm 
and whether or not they will lend on it. The other thing too, is like most you can, it's, you create a relationship with typically a small mm-hmm. local bank because they like to invest in commercial. Yes. They like to give mortgages on commercial and they feel like they're part of the community and helping the businesses uh, grow. And so it's just, it's a different for our listeners. I know that you guys are, you know, empire builders just as we are. And it, it's fun because that's really the empire sort of building part of real estate mm-hmm. in terms of like from a business standpoint. So I really loved um, commercial and learning it so far. And investing in it. I love that. So guys, um, real quick, what's the, maybe let's start with what's the worst part about investing in real estate. I know with residential, you are dealing with people. So it's not Mm -hmm. like the stock market. You have like real people involved and it's their home typically that you're dealing with. So there's a lot of emotions there. Um, Does anybody have like a, I, I have a bad rental story. So this was early on. Actually, it's a it's the house we turned into our office, but we mm, bought a house mm-hmm. off of Craigslist in the early 2000s. And <laughs> um, remember Craigslist like way back when? Mm-hmm. And it was an older home. It was built in the 30s. And instead of the house being built with two by fours, it was built with two by sixes. So the stability of some of the ceilings is, was a lot less. And uh, one of my tenants called me and he said, hey, the ceiling <laughs> collapsed in one of the the, the bedrooms. <laughs> he was like, of course he was freaking out because there's all yeah. kinds of like insulation and everything. Debris, and, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not cool. Like, because then you're <laughs> thinking like, well, are the rest of the, is the rest of the yeah. house going to fall in on itself? And and of course we we got it all fixed up and we cleaned it up and they wanted to move out, which I mm-hmm. which I did understand. I mean, I I completely understood why they why they would have that yeah. feeling. Um, but it was it was really uncomfortable because I was like a new landlord and I was kind of, I don't know, I was being kind of hard-nosed. And in retrospect, I was like, Wendy, come on. Like that was really scary. They could have like <laughs> yeah. one of them could have been sleeping. <laughs> you know? You're like, why are you falling down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty funny. So that was probably my worst one. We had like a house that I didn't believe in like bad juju or karma like intensely until we owned this house and we bought it Mm. as a foreclosure. And I don't know what someone did to hex this house, but y'all, it was like, if it could happen, it happened at this house. We Mm. had... Like uh, one of the um, tenants, her kid ran her Corvette through the garage door. Like we had someone pass away in a really not great way in the house. We had like, we found a 40 pound beehive underground that was swarming the house here. Like, I mean, (laughs) y'all, it was. What? Someone, Someone had been washing their hair. One of the tenants, these are all different tenants. Someone had washed their hair in the kitchen sink and all the hair had dangled in the garbage disposal and then it exploded. And oh, like, gross. I mean, y'all, if it could happen, it happened. Needless to say, we sold the house. But you know what the best part about real estate was? We still made a profit on the sale of the house, even though it was hexed and Ugh. definitely bad juju on that house. But we Do you remember like, the address? What? You do, you yeah. do you remember the address of that one? What yeah. was the address? Hold Just on. out of curiosity. Uh, it was a oh. uh, nine nine four zero zero Fenway. I had to think about it for a second. Mm. So yeah, I want to tell you what city because cool now everyone's like going to go this. Google and see if people like have had bad things happen to them in that house. But it was well, bad. Do you, 
Do you manage your own property, Sarah, or you have a property manager? I don't. My my yeah. uh, mom's amazing executive assistant uh, manages all of our properties. Yeah. We are about to yeah. hire a property manager for a building we're purchasing in Richmond. Nice. But it's because it's too far and it's it's a complicated building. So, um, but no, I I don't I don't manage much of it, which I'm thankful yeah. for. I um, well, but yeah. No, that's perfectly fine. There, there's there's nothing nothing do. wrong with it, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like when Jay sometimes talks about our rental properties, he's like, oh, it's all fine. Like, I don't have any weird <laughs> stories. It's like, oh, you well. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I didn't tell you about all of them. Yeah. I didn't mention them all. So there you go. There you go. There you go. So that's, that's probably the worst part about that. Also you need, um, it's not really passive, you know, you either got to hire a property manager or you've got to, you got to do it yourself. People talk about real estate being passive, but it's not really passive, Mm -mm. especially for the short-term rentals. That's a lot of work. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Um, and then you need to pay for repairs. So you got to have a couple months of reserves there. They're there. Uh, it's not like the stock market where you just, it's no hassle. Um, but what's the, what do you guys think the best parts of this kind of investment are? Well, for me, it's, it's what I know. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it just gives me peace of mind when I'm buying real estate because it's what I do every day and it's what I know. And, um, it, it, the stock market, it's t- taken us so long to invest in it just because I needed to understand it. And it took mm-hmm. me many years and asking a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, my poor financial advisor followed up with me for like two and a half years before getting a dime um, because I wanted to fully understand um, all of it. And it, it's so for me, it's like the the confidence I have in it. Everyone will always need a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so to me, it's I know it and I know that it's uh, mm-hmm. a need. So, Well, also, yeah. unlike the stock market, it's never going to go down to zero because there there will there will always be the value of the land, and then if you've yep. got a house on it, there's commodities in the house. So mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, appliances, there's copper, there's wood. I mean, like it's never going to go down to nothing. Like literally, yeah. you could own a a piece of a business that goes right down to zero, and yeah. it's yeah. worth nothing. So, I mean, yep, think it's, about it's, these businesses that are doing that. I mean, like crypto even, you know, that was the steady stable, right? It's just like, poof, almost to nothing. Yeah. You know, I think about too, if you hold it long enough, some of these stocks, like you're not in control of the business. And so you could be invested in something, it could be spiraling down and you think, well, if I just hold it long enough, it'll bounce back. But you're not really in control of that. In real estate, mm-hmm. if it's spiraling down in a down market, the odds are in your favor that it will bounce back if you hold it long enough. And so it's a yep. patience game when a market's spiraling, but at least it is, to Wendy's point, it's a commodity and an asset that you can physically see, touch, smell, hold, um, and still sell it down the road while it, you're paying it off still. So you're still paying it yep. down even in a down market. You're still gaining something. Well, I love that. And not only can you can control it, but you can also improve real estate. Yes. So you can mm-hmm. take a residential property and get it to be zoned commercial. You can tear the house down and build two houses on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what we're, that we've been, that's been our journey in these last couple of years is figuring out how to create, because the land honestly in Austin is, is, is what's worth everything. And so can we put an ADU on something? Can we put two houses and create you know, create more rent that way. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, the only- and if, you, if 
I no, was going to say, if you awesome have a, if you have a, a, a 40 pound underground beehive in it, you can, you can fix it. You can fix, you could make honey up. It could be, a, yes, you could, <laughs> it could be another, it could be another, another income stream of income. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the best of all, which I think I said in the beginning, right? It's the only investment that you don't have to pay a hundred percent cash for. Mm. And then other people can pay the remainder. Of so you put, you put down 20% cash, 25% cash, and then you have a renter uh, paying off the rest. And yet mm-hmm. you own a hundred percent. Like it's just, it's magic. Like it's magical. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing. Um, and so you can leverage um, other people's money, both the banks and also um, your, your renters and you can write that off. And um, so, so many benefits doing real estate. Yeah, so That's many benefits. Yeah. And if you're a passion. realtor, if you're a realtor, you get a lot of tax benefits from it. So yep. I know we, a lot of our listeners are realtors. So yep. yeah, guys. Uh, so yeah. So uh, if you're not investing in real estate, make sure that you start by go ahead and just buy your first home, right? For those of you that mm-hmm. don't own your own home, if you can't afford it, go ahead and house hack it. You know, I had a little coaching client in Oklahoma City. And when I explained house hacking to him, it was it was an absolute no-brainer. I think he's 22 years old. And he's like, absolutely. I have friends that could move in. They could help me pay the rent. Yeah. So do that and then work your way up. Do what Seychelles did. Do what I did, which is your first home becomes your first rental. Piece of cake, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even even if you're even if your house may, might be bigger, you might you might consider a lateral move, right? Doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be a move up. Consider a lateral move because what that does is is you can buy your second home with a lot less money down. You can put five percent right. yep. down, ten percent down. You don't have to save up twenty or twenty five percent. And yep. uh, just understand that rentals are their work. They're not passive income. And yet when I think about the work that I do every month and the amount of money that I get back for it, it's very, very low. My dollar mm-hmm. per hour on my rentals is is really low. So um, I would just encourage you guys to really get your investing hat on, right? Uh, the opportunity is now. Okay, you guys are listening to this in January of 2023. There's going to be massive, massive opportunities for you. You're going to be looking back in five years or 10 years and saying, oh, wow, I wish I'd invested in 2023. And real real estate is going to be the number one one investment out there that you wish you had done. So get off your duff, figure it out. Do like Sarah said, don't take two and a half years to figure out the stock market. Um, (laughs) But... Look at the people around you and go out there. And this is going to be a really big part of your big life someday. So go out, continue to build your big business and create an even bigger life. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Just a reminder, you guys, as we are running through this awesome wealth building and money series with you, we just want to give you a quick blanket reminder because our friends at Keller Williams and the legal team would thank us for it, that we are not financial advisors, CPA, tax advisors, or anyone that is tied to your individual finances. So if you are wanting more information about this, these are tips, ideas, tactics, and ways in which you can build wealth. But always find a seasoned professional that is a seasoned professional in this specific field that you're needing help with to assist you in your finance, tax, or wealth building journey.